When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie, brought to you by Killer Podcasts, an evergreen podcasts network. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. Hello, Caroline. Hi. How are you doing this week? It's a busy week. (laughs) How am I doing? Okay, moving right along. What are we talking (laughs) about? uh, What are we talking about this week? Today, we are coming back to the mysterious and unexplained with a loose yet thought-provoking compilation of some of the most famous mystery noises of all time. Mystery noises. Mm-hmm. You mean like the kind you accuse me of making, but it's really the dog. Oh, that's no mystery. I know the source of those. This episode, I've pulled stories from throughout history and all over the globe that describe noises and sounds that aside from a couple of these have not yet been fully explained. Mm. From deep sea groans to strange trumpet-like sounds in the sky, we'll explore the most puzzling sounds to ever be recorded and try and figure out what their sources may be. Okay, the trumpet-like one, that really was the dog. (laughs) That wasn't from the sky, that was from somewhere lower. (laughs) Uh, These sources might be natural, paranormal, or possibly even rooted in mass hysteria. So it's going to be a very interesting examination today, I think. Or hoaxes, right? Sure, yes. (laughs) I've excluded numbers stations from this episode, uh, which is kind of a a well-known, well, oft-talked-about mysterious noise because those are known to be man-made. Those come from something that we we know of, but we don't really know what they mean. And uh, I want to explore those separately from this. And so that's like it'll you'll find a radio frequency where someone's just a voice is just reading a bunch of numbers. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's interesting. That seems. And like- there's like conspiracy thought about this, but also maybe like covert ops type of stuff very interesting i go right to lake city quiet pills yes yes it's kind of the audio version of that Uh, and there's also the phenomenon known as havana syndrome which is one of the more recent mysterious noises to come onto the the national or international stage um and i want to explore that separately too because i think there are some conspiracy theories and things evolving around that oh this is that's the sonic weapon situation where there's like a sound that makes people sick yes yes that's a really cool story yeah and that deserves its own episode i think um but otherwise we're going to dive into the world of audial oddities both literally and figuratively with our first story the deep ocean's bewildering bloop bloop (laughs) 
The bloop was an ultra-low-frequency, high-amplitude underwater sound detected by the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in 1997. Let's take a listen to this strange noise, which is available to hear at 16 times the original speed from the NOAA website. Oh, that was it. Yeah, so the sounding question here is kind of that, like, bloop. Bloop. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, bloop. Yes. Bloop. So, of course, you got to keep in mind that the actual sound is 16 times slower than this. Right, it probably sounds like a whale song when it's, yeah. bloop. It's sped up here so we can more easily understand what's happening. The bloop, as it was nicknamed by scientists, probably because it sounds like a little... Bloop, uh, is to this day the loudest underwater sound ever recorded in the 40 years we've been logging audio with hydrophones, which are microphones specially designed to be used underwater for recording or listening to underwater sound. The source of the bloop sound was roughly triangulated to 50 degrees south, 100 degrees west, which brings us to a remote area of the Southern Pacific Ocean, west of the bottom tip of South America. The equipment that picked up the bloop noise was part of the Equatorial Pacific Ocean Autonomous Hydrophone Array. Say that 10 times fast. I refuse. 16 times fast if you're the bloop. Uh, And this array is a system of hydrophones used to monitor undersea seismicity, ice noise, and marine mammal migration and population, like whales, as you said. This array was also designed to augment NOAA's use of the U.S. Navy's sound surveillance system, originally created to monitor and detect Soviet marine uh, submarine activity during the Cold War. So we've been trying to listen uh, to secretive things underwater for a long time. What time of year was this? You know, I'm not sure what the time of year was. Because I'm just—I I, I didn't actually put the actual, the specific date it was first heard. But it was somewhere kind of tropical. It was west of the bottom tip of South America. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. if it was the winter, blue whales are in the or around the equator. It is time. much louder and deeper than any blue whale ever recorded. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this particular recording was not the only instance of bloopage. The same noise was recorded multiple times, uh, and yet it completely baffled scientists at the time. It simply was unlike anything that they were used to hearing. And it wasn't as loud... The other times they heard it? I think this was the the loudest one, but um, each time it was loud enough to be heard at a range of over 3,000 miles. Wow. So that's like us here in Connecticut hearing a noise made somewhere near the North Pole. Bloop. (laughs) That's a loud bloop. Speculation abounded as to what the sound could possibly be. Well, obviously Greek Cthulhu, right? We'll get there. I knew it! (laughs) First, people were thinking maybe secret underwater military exercises or activities. Maybe a bigger, louder whale than ever captured before. An unprecedentedly massive underwater earthquake. There was no certain answer at the time. Wouldn't we have... uh, An unprecedented underwater earthquake would... You'd have some kind of effects from that on the surface of the water, right? Yes. Yeah, I would say so, probably. Many wondered if there was possibly um, 
a more massive animal in the deep ocean than the blue whale, and this could be its lonely call from below. And after all, we do keep discovering new ocean life or life thought to not exist, like the coelacanth um, fish. Colacanth. Colacanth, sure. And the giant, I only know it from Animal Crossing. Uh, <laughs> got real rich on those. And also the giant squid. These were things thought to be extinct or maybe not even real at all. And we found um, proof that they do live, at least nowadays. Well, that's true. But if the suggestion is there's some species of animal that makes these sounds, um, I mean, are the sounds still being made or was it just a couple of times? Mm, these kinds of sounds are still being made. <laughs> I'll say that now. We're getting, we're getting, this one is kind of, as Zach Bagans would say, this has been debunked. <laughs> No, he wouldn't say debunked. He, 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 well, he uses it incorrectly, which is what I'm doing here. Oh, I see. <laughs> this has been debunked as not being a blue whale. Yes. Um, some people suggested aquatic dinosaur, maybe a megalodon. You know, we haven't explored 95% of the deep ocean, so who knows what's down there. And along these lines, some less scientific types uh, wondered whether the concept of the Cthulhu-type entity might be at play here especially since the sound was recorded very interestingly just 932 miles or so from the place where in Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu, the godlike Cthulhu first emerged from the water. So a twelfth of the way around the equator. Okay, from, from okay but it's close if you're a Cthulhu. That'll take you just a day, maybe. It's true, a couple steps, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, this sound is one of the few in this episode that has a pretty rational stuck to scientific explanation but it was a mystery for quite a while noaa did not have an official theory for years after the news of the bloop broke only that they felt it was not the result of anything man-made like nuclear testing or or a submarine or anything like that one scientist with the NOAA, Christopher Fox, told the New Scientist magazine in 2002 that he thought it was most likely to be some sort of animal, quote, because its signature is a rapid vi variation and frequently similar to that of sounds known to be made by marine beasts. Well, yeah, because like, like I said, it sounded kind of like a whale song. Yes. But as previously mentioned, it was far louder than any marine animal noise ever recorded. Um, what if some like arctic ice like well, it wouldn't be arctic ice what if like some kind of a, a land formation is acting as a megaphone or something sean you are so close is that real you're a brilliant little boy yes in 2005 noa discovered new evidence that would lead to them amending their stance and kind of coming out with their official theory they think the bloop was a result of global warming. Huh. More specifically, they felt it was the sound of an earth, um, sorry, an ice quake, which uh, is something that results from an iceberg cracking and breaking away from the Antarctic glacier. So not just a megaphone, but like the actual ice itself. Yeah. Um, oh, that's not what I was. Uh, no, I know what you're saying, but you're, you're close. You're, you're getting there. Well, thank you. I appreciate the pat on the head. Of course. So as the climate continues to, to change, these ice quakes are occurring more and more frequently. So this is probably an early one. And in recording these quakes, the NOAA found that many of them share similar spectrograms, as well as the amplitude necessary to detect them even over ranges of 3,000 miles. 
So getting this additional evidence um, and recordings of additional ice quakes made them feel pretty comfortable reporting their findings to the public and on their official website that this was just a very, very large uh, ice quake piece of iceberg cracking and breaking away from the glacier. Wow. Of course, some still feel the bloop might be a much stranger culprit than some ice. In 2012, a made-for-TV thriller mockumentary produced by, weirdly, Animal Planet and the Discovery <laughs> Channel well, listen. Uh, came out. It was called Mermaids, The Body Found. And this mockumentary, question mark, posited that the bloop was actually evidence for the existence of mermaids, or at the very least, an unknown species in the ocean. Sure, maybe at the very least an unknown species. Where do you get mermaid from from that? I didn't read I didn't watch the documentary, even if it is um, accessible right now because it's a mockumentary, so I don't think they're actually positing right. this, but but like all we know about it is that it is it would have to be big much bigger than a human and not have a human mouth <laughs> right the big the biggest mouth. Um, and this led people to kind of inundate the NOAA with questions about the bloop. And so they responded quite concisely by saying, no evidence of aquatic humanoids has ever been found, which was uh, written on its Ocean Facts webpage. Oh, you know, that's a fun fact. Yeah, but mermaids, they're another episode for another day. So bloop is probably ice. Okay, bloop is ice. Really loud ice. Next, we go back, spoiler alert, to the realm of the unexplained with the hum. The hum. There isn't necessarily one hum out there, like there is one bloop. Like that was obviously one thing that was making that noise. <laughs> That's a hum. I've, I've always been told I have a great hum. <laughs> but it, the, the hum is a term given to many different reports from all over the world throughout time of a persistent and invasive low frequency humming, rumbling, or droning noise audible to many, but not all people. And that latter part is important because many experiencing any of these hums are frustrated by the fact that many others sense nothing strange at all. So it's kind of like a sound that's gaslighting you. So for some of our listeners, this next 20 seconds will be dead air then. Maybe. Maybe it's like dogs where you just can't hear certain frequencies, you know? No, I think this will sound vague, <laughs> vaguely unpleasant for everybody. Right. Now, unfortunately, due to the nature of this sound and it being so low frequency, it's it's hard to um, to capture. And we don't have an official audio clip that's scientifically agreed upon to be a hum, like a legit one, like the bloop was obviously captured in scientific equipment. But this is an example that was posted on YouTube in 2006, purporting to be from Taos, New Mexico. It's not the high-pitched screechy noise you'll hear in the audio, and I apologize for that. Um, but just list, try and listen and see if you hear a super low bassy sound in the background. buzz. 
is. I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah. So if I mean, I think I can hear something if I kind of parse away the electronic 2006 YouTube noises. I can hear, no, 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 not that. It's it's like like I can kind of hear that. Yeah. There's definitely a low pitch hum there. Yeah. There have been different hums reported in a variety of countries, from the U.S. and U.K. to Australia, Canada, Germany, many more. The details of each hum is described a bit differently from place to place, but the general vibe is that it's usually a humming noise that is either pretty consistent or brought on by specific environmental factors. Like nearby power lines, <laughs> well, that's, faraway aircraft. That's not an environmental factor so much as like a technological factor. But a lot of these have not been debunked as um, <laughs> man-made interference. A 1973 study on very low-frequency sound called infrasound tried to determine whether this kind of noise could have physiological or even psychological effects in those experiencing it. And we'll talk about this again when we have an episode about Havana Syndrome. Uh, in this study of 50 people complaining of hearing a low throbbing background noise that others were unable to hear, it was determined that this sound always peaked between 30 or 40 hertz. And this hum in particular was only heard, this, this one's interesting, during cool weather with a light breeze, often early in the morning. And often within one mile of an arena where Billie <laughs> Eilish is playing. <laughs> this was 73, so she was just a, a twinkle in probably her grandmother's eye. I mean, she, she's very young. In this specific case, this uh, noise was confined to a six-mile-wide area, and usually these are sort of geologically or geographically locked in place. And uh, one famous example of these is a Taos hum, or the Taos hum, named for the town where it originates, Taos, New Mexico. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, it's T-A-O-S, New Mexico. The Taos hum is so pervasive in the area that it even gets a mention on the town's Wikipedia page. Wow. And so that's usually like, you know. It's a celebrity hum. It's a little pop. According to Live Science, the hum seems to have first been reported in the early 1990s and has pretty much continued since. And it's one of the most pervasive hums, which is why there's a, a good amount of discussion online about it. University of New Mexico Professor Emeritus of Engineering Joe Mullins conducted research into the Taos hum, surveying a collection of local residents. Of the group, about 2% seemed to be hearers, or those who stated that they could hear the hum. Equipment was set up in the homes of several of those hearers to attempt to capture evidence of what they were reporting, but nothing unusual was detected. So it's very uh, stressful to people. They have, they sometimes are have that camaraderie of like, oh, you heard that? I hear that too. But mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. I don't hear anything. And so they feel the same way um, UFO abductees feel. Kind of, yeah. Um, those who report hearing the hum usually hear it west of Taos near Tres Orejas, but not everyone reports hearing the exact same kind of hum, with descriptions of the noise varying slightly from person to person. Each hearer also heard it at a different frequency between about 32 hertz and 80 hertz. One hearer reported uh, that they still detected hearing it in the background, even 30 miles away from the supposed epicenter. Hmm. And it appears that while both men and women are equally likely to hear it, those of middle age are more likely to hear it than other age groups. 
Okay, so did the scientific equipment catch anything in the places where these people were hearing it? Uh, I don't think that they caught it in this particular study of the hum, but other hums have been studied and either nothing's picked up or a very, very, very low frequency noise is picked up um, like and between 20 or 30 and 40 hertz. And were any of the investigators or researchers hearers? Some are. I, I saw an interview with a scientist who was trying to figure out uh, why he was hearing this hum. And he even had the power to his home turned off because he thought it must be electronic and it made it louder, at least to him. So sometimes scientists or scientific types will um, have this experience and that prompts them to do more research. It's weird that it's geographically centralized because I'm tempted to say some people are just hearing their blood in their veins or something. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah. Those who hear these kinds of hums often report feeling stressed, upset, and even physically affected by the sounds. One woman told the 1973 study that she had considered suicide because the noise was just so maddening to her and she could do nothing about it. She just heard it all the time. Do earplugs help or do they make it worse? You know, I didn't see any research on that. I assume it probably helps, but you can't just wear earplugs for your whole life. No. There are some areas where the sound just sort of pops into existence one day and doesn't go away, like the Windsor hum in Windsor, Ontario. In late 2011, Windsor residents began reporting a low droning vibration, sometimes even becoming loud enough to be pretty irritating. Now, is this similarly like only 2% of people hear it? Well, one night in 2012 even saw 22,000 different reports come in about the maddening hum. So this was pretty widespread. The Taos hum is something that's gone on forever, and it's like a small part of the population. But this was sort of an isolated incident. Um, it, I mean, it did last for quite a while, but not the decades that the Taos hum has. It was theorized that the sound was emanating from Zug Island, which is a heavily industrialized section of the River Rouge on the north bank of the Detroit River. And this area separates Windsor and Detroit, Michigan. So Canadian officials reached out to the U.S. to try and get assistance in defining the hum's source. What, from Detroit? Well, it could be right on the river. It could be, they thought it was coming from this specific island. However, U.S. authorities uh, refused access to the Canadian authorities to the island. Um, yeah, I got your hum right here, pal. <laughs> this is Detroit. What do you want? This might have been because a U.S. steel mill was thought to be the possible cause of the hum, but American officials insisted that no new equipment had been installed or activated around the time the noise came into prominence. So it can't be us. Okay, not a full answer, but okay. Well, here's a semi-answer. Interestingly, the Windsor hum seemed to have come to an end in April 2020, quite coincidentally when the blast furnaces on Zug Island were also deactivated. Oh, what do you know? No new equipment. But, um, <laughs> but when you stop the equipment, the sound stops. Oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. So that's one of the possible explanations for something like this. Maybe some sort of man-made technology creating constant infrasound that some people with maybe more sensitive hearing can hear and they can detect these low frequency sounds and some just 
are in blissful ignorance to this maddening hum. Like if there was a dog whistle going all the time and no right. adults could hear it, but all the dogs and children were <laughs> insane. Yeah. But no clear man-made source has emerged in the Taos case and other cases around the world are ongoing without explanation. And like we mentioned before, one of these may be the Havana syndrome, which has gained some exposure in the press recently because American diplomatic officials stationed in Cuba have reported experiencing this particular hum. So, of course, their testimony is going to be taken pretty seriously. And they've described it as persistent high-pitched sounds followed by a range of physical symptoms, including headaches, nausea, and hearing loss. So we are going to expand on this in a future episode. Yes, but this this might just be another example. But um, high-pitched is kind of different than some of these. So it's a very interesting version of a hum, quote-unquote. Some hums have been identified over the years, including what might have been uh, the Windsor hum. In West Seattle, their hum was traced to a vacuum pump used by Cal Portland to offload cargo from ships. And after Cal Portland replaced the silencers on the machine, reports of the hum ceased. Just imagine, you, you just have like one machine going and people from six miles around are just driven nuts by it. Another hum in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, was suspected of originating at a Santee Cooper substation and led to a couple who were living two miles away from the station to sue the power company for the disruption that the hum was causing them. I couldn't find where that case went, but this couple was driven so mad by this humming sound that they took it to court. I mean, listen, emotion, at, at a certain point, it's emotional damage, especially if you're also like being gaslit about yes. the sound. And it's not even like it is kind of it feels like gaslighting because you're like, this is so obvious. But the people who can't hear it, they just can't hear it. They think these people are making something out of nothing. There are some non-man-made -man possible explanation as well. And you mentioned like blood rushing through your veins and stuff. Could be tinnitus. Spontaneous, spontaneous autoacoustic auto emissions, which um, are the human ear basically generating its own noises. Uh, it could be the jet stream or even some like animal mating calls. I feel like that's an answer to some climate stuff, too. It's just like it could be the jet stream. Could I don't know what the, that means. It could be the jet stream. An episode of The X-Files used the Taos hum as inspiration for a story about extremely low-frequency radio waves emitted by a U.S. Navy antenna array causing brain-exploding pressure to build in the heads of nearby residents. And people's heads just started to pop. What? In The X-Files. I see. <laughs> and in an episode of Criminal Minds, characters began to commit violent acts as a result of mania caused by the Taos hum. Are, th are these all... Well, probably not. The X-Files is an older episode then. Was yeah, the Criminal that was Minds? 98, and Criminal Minds was, I think, 2018. So that was inspired by the Havana Syndrome stories. The, this, the Criminal Minds, I'm pretty sure, was pretty specifically based on the Taos hum. I'm, oh. sh I'm sure the Havana Syndrome like informed it, but I think they go to Taos. So we'll talk about uh, the sounds of the angels, screams of the damned, and the so-called place of bad noises after the break. Really running the gamut. Bloop. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. When last we left you, we had just gotten finished talking about the Taos hum and the bloop. Bloop. And it sounds like we have some even creepier, even scarier, even spookier sounds. I think so. Coming up in our beat block here. So uh, what's going on, Carrie? So similarly to hums, sky trumpets are sounds reported by some people to uh, who claim to hear, um, well, trumpet-like noises coming from the sky. It's pretty self-explanatory. This is why you said the thing about angels. Yes. Uh, Many with more esoteric minds have compared these sounds to the biblical angels' trumpets, and some fret that these noises are the heralds of a coming Armageddon, as in Revelations. I mean, people have to... (laughs) There can't be a Christian connection without some Christians going, and it means the world's ending. Right, but in particular, um, as the Bible states, quote, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. And this is kind of the signal for the end of the world. So the trumpet means like, we're going to end the world now. Um, So people, of course, are freaking out about that. We should do an episode on the book of Revelation, by the way. Oh, yeah. Talk about a horror story. Yeah. But also it's just... uh, just Metal. It is metal, but it's also first century political satire. So that's very interesting. Unlike the more scientifically studied noises we've covered so far, it's a bit harder to determine what examples of this sort of audio is, um, I guess, so-called legit, and what has been just edited together for sensationalistic purposes. I mean, you could throw a trumpet sound and make it a little echoey and be like, oh, there's a trumpet in the sky, you know, it's a little different than something like a hum, which I'm sure you can, you could fake any of this, right? But I, I feel like the trumpets are most prone to being faked. Um, I mean, you could just make a hum. Mm, oh, what's that? You could just start up some equipment to freak people out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, well, there, there's just been a lot of reports of this specific thing. Trumpets from the sky. So the best I can do for you, audio-wise, is play an example from YouTube that claims to have genuine sky trumpets. Um, this clip is taken from Inside Edition, so I'm just going to hope that they background check these audios better <laughs> than I could. Uh, the clip here devolves more into discussing hums specifically rather than sky trump uh, trumpets, but the initial audio is really the case in point. Guys, what is going on? <laughs> Strange sounds are being heard around the world. What is going on? And there's a couple of these if you want to play any more, Sean. Uh, well, but but we have we have this enthused narration from this child. Why would I why would I do anything besides this Guys, first one? Guys, what is going on? Guys, what is going on? Strange. <laughs> <laughs> the the timing there is very funny to me. In Sweden. <laughs> In Michigan, another trumpet-like sound. In British Columbia, Canada, Dr. Glenn McPherson says he heard a strange humming sound in his... 
So that's the guy that I told you about earlier. And scientists from around the world who call themselves Hummers have reached out to. Okay. So I don't know how great the reporting is, considering they just talk about humming a bunch and not sky trumpets. But there's those were a few different examples of like the kinds of sky trumpets. So it's not always the same exact sort of noise. You know what it sounds like is a vuvuzela. Ooh. You remember the vuvuzelas from the? Uh... I could never forget. From the, what, a 2010 World Cup? <laughs> yeah. The description from another clip out of England reads, quote, heard these sounds for around an hour, but thought it was just nearby construction. Then the sound started to get overwhelmingly loud, so I grabbed the camera. And here's that audio. a sky bloop. I'm sorry, why Why is the assumption not just that pe- someone is out there blowing a horn of some kind? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why, why does it have to be an angel? Surely anyone, again, to me it sounds like a vuvuzela. Anyone can put a plastic cone to their lips and just blow into it. Never, anyone can just vuv it up. Vuv it up. We saw, again, If lest you forget, Carrie, tens of thousands of soccer fans doing it back in 2010. Well, NASA didn't speculate that it was a vuvuzela, and they did release a statement about the noises in 2015, theorizing that it could be the result of Earth's background noise. Quote, if humans had radio antennas instead of ears, we would hear a remarkable symphony of strange noises coming from our own planet. Scientists call them tweaks, whistlers, and spherics. They sound like background music from a flamboyant science fiction film, but this is not science fiction. Earth's natural radio emissions are real, and although we're mostly unaware of them, they are around us all the time. Okay, Okay. So the the Earth be just make a noise, man. Well, sure, but we don't just hear radio waves. And <laughs> no, they, they said if we did, we'd hear a lot more. Okay, but that doesn't explain what this is at all. This is like the bloop of the Earth sounds. It's just the loudest one, maybe. That doesn't make any sense because they're not <laughs> Earth sounds. They're radio waves. <laughs> well, Sean, conspiracy theorists like you who accuse NASA of a cover-up. Nope, I just think someone's <laughs> out there with a plastic horn. They've blamed a number of entities for the sounds, including HARP, which is the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, which yeah. is a definite episode. Great episode. Yeah, crazies think that they're trying to control the weather. <laughs> they say that this uh, HARP might be emitting these sound waves as part of some kind of devious testing into sonic torture technology or something. Uh-huh. And like other mysterious noises, there may be man-made explanations, but many people uploading clips of their experiences online state that no construction or other loud technology was known to be in the area at the time. It doesn't sound like construction. (laughs) It sounds like someone blowing into a ram's horn. It sounds like a (laughs) shofar. In the film Red State, director Kevin Smith utilized the more conspiratorial and biblical fears around sky trumpets to great effect. Spoiler alert for the next minute or so if you haven't seen the movie, because this is kind of like the end. 
In the film, a shootout is occurring between a religious cult group and the ATF when the sound of trumpets from the sky interrupts the bloodbath. The fanatical church members lower their weapons and run outside, rejoicing that the rapture has occurred, and they all are promptly taken into custody. Days later, it's revealed that the trumpet noises were part of a prank pulled by a group of local college students, and it just kind of happened at the perfect time, I assume. During various Q&As for the film, Smith stated that the original ending actually did feature the rapture commencing, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse would descend on the scene. There we go. That is... That is when no one tells Kevin Smith no. Well, they did, and that's why it didn't happen. I assume it's more of a budgetary thing than anything else, because he did make Tusk. Well, I was going to say, that's the beautiful (laughs) mind behind Tusk. (laughs) So we don't really have an answer for sky trumpets or whether every clip and report is just a hoax or a vuvuzela, but we do have an answer for another originally mysterious and possibly biblical noise. Uh Uh-oh. So let's all take a trip to the well to hell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Well to Hell urban legend is a fun one and one that I discovered back in my Tumblr days. Yes, I had a well-followed spooky account. No, you can't have the link. And this is the first uh, place that I heard this fascinating legend. You really can't have the link. I keep asking. (laughs) The story goes like this, quote, A team of Soviet engineers purportedly led by an individual named Mr. Azakov in an unnamed place in Siberia had drilled a hole that was nine miles deep before breaking through to a cavity. Intrigued by this unexpected discovery, they lowered an extremely heat-tolerant microphone, along with other sensory equipment, into the well. The temperature deep within was 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit, or 1,000 degrees Celsius, heat from a chamber of fire from which the tormented screams of the damned could be heard. (laughs) So freaking metal. It is. But the, <laughs> the purported recording of the Well to Hell audio was sent to Coast to Coast AM. Of course it was. Woo! In uh, 1998. And of course, our old friend Art Bell played it on the broadcast. Rest in power. Yes. The sender claimed that they had gotten the recording from their uncle. So here's the clip. Now I've got a clean copy of it now. And uh, I warn you, uh, this could scare you. It could certainly scare Art. The audio recording. Okay, so that sounds like um, someone going, Oh, boogity, 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 boogity. (laughs) Well, as I mentioned up top, folks, this is a confirmed urban legend and the audio is a hoax, but it's kind of intriguing. I think anyone who at least grew up with religion in their lives, especially us childhood Catholics, have always had this fear and fascination with the concept of hell. It's this morbid interest, um, this titillating terror, and it dials up the terror to 11 and, and says, you know, this could be you. Hell is a real place. And if you're not careful, you'll be screaming down in a Siberian pit forevermore. Yeah. Nothing, nothing scarier than that. Yeah. It's, it's so a warning and that's how much, how many urban legends function best. 
they have these little morality tales, you know, don't go neck at Lover's Lane or else a hitchhiker will come and he has a hook and he'll kill you. Yeah, so what's the moral of this one? Don't drill nine miles into the Earth's crust? No, just don't be bad or else you're going to hell. They don't sound happy. Booga, that booga, that booga, could booga, be booga, you. Booga, 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 booga. You laugh, but that's exactly how the Christian-based Trinity Broadcasting Network pitched the story when they first aired it on television in 1989. It's not totally sure where the original, original Well to Hell legend began, but some think it originated in the Finnish newspaper... Hmm. Amenusastia. Amenusastia. That sounds pretty Finnish. My friend was Finnish in high school. So she, she talked Finnish. You're doing great, Carrie. Amenusastia. Amenusastia. Sastia. This is all staying. <laughs> well, this was a journal, okay, Sean, and it was published by a group of Finnish Pente- Pentecostal Christians. Quote, Rich Bueller, who interviewed the editors of Amenosastia, found, <laughs> found that the story had been based on recollections of a letter printed in the feature section of another newspaper called Etelas Woman. When contacting the letter's author, Bueller found that he had drawn the story appearing in a Finnish Christian newsletter named Vailtajat. Uh, and this you're getting better as you go. <laughs> this newsletter printed the story in July 1989. The newsletter's editor claimed that its origin, it's a whole telephone, um, had been a newsletter called Jewels of Jericho, published by a group of Messianic Jews in California. And beyond this, Bueller could not trace it any further back. But it's likely that whoever dreamt up the original story was inspired by a news story. I think it might have been in Scientific American uh, about the Cola Super Deep Borehole, which is a real hole more than 7.5 miles deep that was drilled in the Cola Peninsula by the Soviet Union in the late 80s. But no screaming voices? No, nothing was supernatural about the report, but sometimes the best stories come from the smallest little nuggets, you know? People get inspired by all different kinds of things. Someone hears big hole drilled by Russians, and they're like, well, obviously, let's let's zhuzh it up a little bit. Let's make it a hole in hell. Why not? I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, the, the the Russians of the um, of the late seventies had plenty of hell all around them. <laughs> By the time the story hit Trinity Broadcasting Network, the Well to Hell legend was being framed as proof of the literal existence of hell. Aj Rendelin, a Norwegian teacher, heard the story on TBN while visiting the United States, and he was kind of horrified uh, by the stupidity and decided to ba- basically prank the TBN network at their expense. Rendelin wrote to TBN claiming that though he had originally disbelieved the story upon his return to Norway, he had read a factual account of the case. And according to him, this account included a bat-like apparition rising out of the well before blazing a trail across the Russian sky. Okay, so Ed Warren wrote this draft. Well, he, he was purposely pranking them because he was like, oh, you'll believe anything? Well, believe this. To perpetuate his hoax, Rendelin deliberately mistranslated a just random Norwegian article about a local building inspector uh, into this fantastical story and submitted both the original Norwegian article and the English, quote, translation to which, TBN. Which he fully made up. Yes. Um, but he, he sent in the original article, which in Norwegian is just 
a little puff piece about a building <laughs> inspector. Rendlin included his real name, phone number, and address, as well as those of a pastor friend who knew about the hoax and agreed to expose it to anyone who called seeking verification. So he, he had this pastor in on it too, which is very fun. Apparently, um, TBN just did literally nothing to verify Rendlin's story. It, they didn't even bother trying to translate the original Norwegian article. And so it just aired, they just aired his claims as additional proof that the well to hell story was legit. Yeah, this was a the, the Christian network? Trinity, yeah, it's a Christian and evangelical. Yeah, so I mean, it's not, they're, they're not looking at your journalism. Yeah. And the story spread like hellfire from there with the analog horror edition of the audio coming via coast to coast around a decade later. I assume the recording was created by whoever sent it in to Art Bell for, you know, shits and giggles, I guess. And the tormented screams were later found to be looped together from various sound effects, likely uh, originating in part from a 1972 giallo horror movie named Barren Blood that has a that has a beautiful 14% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, review of that coming on our Patreon. <laughs> so this is how, you know, some sort of mysterious noise can become an urban legend. Um, it's it's just a, an interesting fun weird little story. Booga booga booga. <laughs> Let's wrap up with a couple more mysterious and location-based noises without explanation. The Seneca guns and the Moodus noises. Mm. Unlike the Taos hum, the similarly geo-targeted Seneca guns are, like their name might suggest, more like the sound of a gun or cannon fire. They're like loud booms. And they've been experienced off especially parts of coastal North Carolina since at least the early 1800s. So this is something that you can't really attribute to technology, technology, the jet stream, whatever. The name is said to be either from Seneca Lake in upstate New York, which also reports hearing these kinds of sounds, or from a Civil War battle in Seneca, Georgia, where the booms mimic the sound of ghostly cannon fire. Mm. But no one really knows why they call it Seneca Guns, even though it's North Carolina. The Seneca Guns have only been reported in coastal areas, though they are never heard at sea. People on boats at sea don't report them. It's people on the beach or whatever that report them. And the sounds can be heard throughout the year, but most often are reported in the fall when the weather is cooling off. Hmm. I think you can hear sound from further away over cold air, maybe. Maybe. I heard that once. And sometimes they function as little earthquakes. Uh, Things are damaged or disturbed by these intense booming experiences. Obviously, something like this is hard to capture on recording because they're pretty spontaneous and people aren't expecting it when it happens. But eh, here's a clip from YouTube. This was taken over the Cape Fear River by uh, Snow's Cut Bridge. So if you know the area, that's where this was from. And there it is. Let's hear that again. (laughs) And it's always hard to gauge how loud these things are in relation to anything else um, when it comes to YouTube clips. But this was something that the person said there was no explanation that he could see. And it was extremely, extremely loud. And things like 
jiggled, like, you know, like jostled, vibrated. So two things come to mind for me. It sounds like the earth is making these sounds. And I wonder if it's, if it could be little minor earth, earthquakes, earth tremors, mm-hmm. like maybe you're near a minor fault line there, or um, ghosts from the Civil War. <laughs> well, obviously. No, or like exploding pockets of gas, subterranean gas. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, people have theorized a whole bunch of things. Uh, military jets breaking the sound barrier is an option. But of course, these booms have been reported since the 1800s. So that can't account for all of them. Uh, other hypotheses include underwater earthquakes and the North Carolina Geological Survey proposed in 2005 that the most probable cause for the Seneca guns would be shallow earthquakes occurring offshore. However, strangely, the survey could not connect any reports of Seneca guns to the occurrence of actual earthquakes detected by seismographs. So there's no correlation, but they think that that might be it, maybe? Are there, I mean, maybe there's earthquakes that go, you know, unnoticed by seismic detectors further away, but they're, I don't know, happening so close to the shore, the fault line so close to the surface. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Seismologists with Duke University have theorized that the guns could be atmospheric in origin, so they're not coming from below the ground, um, but from the sky. Trumpet. Uh, one possibility is that the guns are meteors entering the atmosphere, and that's kind of the banging sound. Other explanations, there's been a lot of <laughs> hypotheticals over the years. Um, they can include underwater cave collapses, distant thunder reverberations, the continental shelf falling into the ocean. <laughs> and yes, We'd as you that. mentioned, uh, angry ghosts, I guess banging on the proverbial heavenly pots and pans. Well, if you're near a if you're near Civil War battlefields, then of course you, <laughs> you your mind would go right to cannon fire. Yeah, but it, this kind of thing doesn't only occur around Civil War battlefields. Uh, some similar phenomenon has been reported in other parts of the world, including the Barisal guns in India and Bangladesh, the Yuminari in Japan, and the Mistpoofers on the coast of the Netherlands and Belgium. How very um, (laughs) Dutch of them. (laughs) However, these, like the Seneca guns, have not yet received an official, case-closed scientific explanation. Mist poofers. The mist poofers. We end today much closer to home with the Moodus noises of Moodus, Connecticut, which is a village nestled within the town of East Haddam. Have you heard of the Moodus noises? Um, the name rings a bell, but I, I, I couldn't have told you anything about them before pulling this clip. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I first heard about it reading Weird New England, one of my favorite little compilation books. Uh, much like the Seneca guns, it's hard to capture audio of these random sounds. And this phenomenon is even less known than the Seneca guns, so there are even less people claiming they have recordings. But as described by Atlas Obscura, the Moodus noises are strange rumblings, thunderings, and crashings that seem to originate somewhere around Mount Tom, located in what is now Makimudis State Park. There has been mention of a tape recording existing made by local Kathy Wilson. I did also find a research paper, a scientific paper on ResearchGate purporting to include the first known infrasound recording of a Moodus noise attributing it to a January 12th, 2015 earthquake in Plainfield, Connecticut. 
but it's kind of locked behind some scholarly paywall, I think, so we'll just have to use our imaginations on this one. Reports of the Moodus noises stretch back even further than those of the Seneca guns. We're talking centuries earlier. The indigenous people of the area called the locale Makemudis, which means place of bad noises. Oh. So they were, they were plugged into this way back. In Native American folklore, the noises were attributed to a god named Habamok, or perhaps evil spirits. Hmm. When English colonists arrived, they, of course, adapted for their own beliefs, accusing the sounds from originating from witches or the devil. And they also shortened the Wangunk Indians' name for the area to just Moodus. There you go. The first recordings of Puritans talking about hearing the Moodus noises came from 1702. Uh, and in 1729, the Reverend Stephen Hosmer of East Haddam wrote a friend to wrote to a friend in Boston referring to fearful and dreadful sounds that frightened local residents in the area. So it's really fascinating that we have such early accounts of these particular noises. Yeah. The noises are described in various ways. Sometimes they seem to come from underground. Sometimes they sound like thunder. Others like sharp pistol shots. Reports have ended for years and then return with abandon. Legends have sprung up beyond the mythology of the Native Americans and the Puritans, and supposedly an alchemist named Dr. Steele was sent <laughs> by King George to stop the noises in 1760. Well, if the alchemist couldn't get it done. <laughs> According to the New England Historical Society, who has a whole page about the Moodus noises online, the legend goes like this, quote, Steele said a great fossil called a carbuncle uh, what in the bowels of the earth caused the noises. He said his magic could remove the carbuncle and stop them. Steele then moved into a blacksmith's shop, covered the windows and doors, and at night worked in secrecy. One night, the people of Moodus saw a cloud of smoke, flame, and sparks coming from the blacksmith shop and concluded Steele was coming up with the carbuncle. <laughs> Eventually, Dr. Steele told the people of Moodus that he had removed the great carbuncle, but he had discovered a smaller carbuncle that would cause more noises. They wouldn't be as awful, however, as the noise caused by the large carbuncle. Then okay. Dr. Steele disappeared. Well, wouldn't you know it? He got his day's pay, <laughs> and he was out of there. Hey, guys, you're still going to have some noises, but I promise. They won't be as bad. I feel like I just said carbuncle more than I've ever said in my life. Well, what, when's the last time you had the occasion to say the word carbuncle? Luckily, never, I think. It's a summon in Final Fantasy VIII. That's the last time I used that <laughs> word. One of the more recent spats of Moodus noises began in March 2011 after an earthquake in the area measuring 1.3 on the Richter scale, which is quite, quite small. Before this, four separate earthquake swarms consisting of 100 separate mini-quakes hit Moodus alone, which triggered the noises. And keep in mind, Moodus is only something like three square miles large with about 1,500 residents. Mm. So it's a lot of little a lot earthquakes. Of, a lot of activity, yeah. <laughs> and we don't have like a great fault line or anything, I don't think. Um, so it's just, it's weird. It it seems clear that the Moodus noises are probably kicked off by small quakes, like there's some sort of 
result of these quakes, but what they actually are remains to be seen. And no one's really determined that for sure. Kind of the earth shifting and settling after a quake, like stuff moves around underneath. Maybe. If you want to hear them for yourself, you can go to Mount Tom. And it's also said that they can be best heard from Cave Hill, which is owned by the Cave Hill Resort. So you can go to a nice little resort and hear some carbuncle noises. In pop culture, the noises were used as part of the basis of H.P. Lovecraft's famous short story, The Dunwich Horror. And he actually mentions noises like this in the story. It's kind of hard to quickly just sum up the plot of The Dunwich Horror because they're all very layered and detailed. Yeah, we have a two-disc spoken word (laughs) recording of this story upstairs. But it is considered one of the core stories of the Cthulhu mythos. So maybe Lovecraft found a natural link between the bloop and the moodist noises. (laughs) Other mysterious sounds have been reported in Connecticut as well, including a strange humming noise that was heard in the town of Bristol around 2018. I found a post from City Data, uh, which is a forum in 2017, reading, quote, I recently moved to Bristol and immediately noticed a strange low-frequency hum that goes through the night. It's not very loud, but it is constant and penetrates through walls due to its low-frequency nature. It bothers me a lot. Maybe my ears are too sensitive to that frequency. The poster went on to speculate that the hum originated from the Covanto Waste Plant near the Lake Compounds Amusement Park. And others in the area also responded to the post saying that they had heard a similar hum in Bristol as well. But the source of the sound was never determined, and it remains a mystery to this day. Hmm. In 2019, residents of my hometown, Fairfield, reported hearing a loud, low-frequency noise that some described as feeling like an earthquake. Hmm. The source of that sound was also never identified, and I can find even less people talking about it online. (laughs) I don't remember... Anyone talking about it at the time? Um, But it could have happened. But thanks to strangesounds.org, I did find a link to a video clip of what could be at least the origins of the sound. And this clip was taken in Fairfield County on July 11th, 2015. The uploader wrote, quote, strange, weird, unworldly humming sound in the night skies of Fairfield County, Connecticut in 1080p. It seems to come from everywhere. It's not an invisible alien spacecraft, so don't even go there. Mm. (laughs) Bitch. It lasted for about 20 minutes, changed pitch when we went into the front of the house, then stopped abruptly. Here's that clip. Um, Things do change pitch when you get closer or further away from them. It's called the Doppler effect. Yeah. background yes i hear it <laughs> what direction is that noise coming from oh can you hear it well it's clearly <laughs> night in the video but that one sounds like when people are doing yard work to me mm-hmm very loud for yard work, though. Um, I think you would know. Sometimes we get woken up at 7 in the morning on a Saturday. Yeah, but I know that's someone in our backyard doing that. So, yeah, that's about it for now. Uh, Sean, what do you think about these mysterious noises, strange legends, and wild hoaxes? I think they're all aliens and ghosts in the world's ending tomorrow. 
Wow, what a change of heart! I Sean. know you've really turned me around. In this <laughs> yeah, episode. just I took in all of it. Just took a little bloopage, and there you go. Um, no, I think my favorite one was the bloop. That was fascinating. I love the idea. It's just a big animal. It sounds sweet. Well, I wish we could have heard the long. I'm sure I would have been even more convinced it was a giant whale or <laughs> something if we could have heard the. Yeah, it's most popular to to play that clip of the um the shortened version. I feel like the long version is just extremely long. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. Very. What a great episode, Carrie. We got we got some nice. Um, I think we've got some material for some great remixes, like the the feel good banger of the summer. Blue. Uh, Bloom, uh, bloom, boom. You know. Yeah, we got a hit on our hands. <laughs> your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Moving forward with the theme of strange noises, it's fear of the final frontier. There it goes. CNN reports this week that astronomers have detected a repeating radio signal from an exoplanet and the star it orbits, both located around 12 light years away from Earth. This signal suggests that this planet, also about the size of the Earth, may have a magnetic field and even perhaps its own atmosphere. Scientists first noticed the strong radio waves coming from the star YZ SETI and the rocky exoplanet that orbits it, called YZ SETI B during observations using the Carl G. Jansky Very Large Array of Telescopes in New Mexico. The researchers believe the radio signal was created by interactions between the planet's magnetic field and the star. The findings were published in the Nature Astronomy Journal on Monday, which noted that in order for the radio waves to be detectable on Earth, they must be extremely strong. Quote, this is telling us new information about the environment around stars, said lead study author Sebastian Pineda, a research astrophysicist at the University of Colorado Boulder. Study co-author Jackie Valitsen, uh, assistant professor of physics and astronomy at Bucknell University, added that this could be possibly the best candidate so far for a rocky exoplanet with a magnetic field, which is like our own. Quote, this could really plausibly be it, but I think it's going to be a lot of follow-up work before a really strong confirmation of radio waves caused by a planet comes out. And by it, they mean the place we all have to flee to when, our, when we finished killing this world? Maybe. The program director for the National Radio Astronomy Observatory, the amazingly named Joe Pesci, said in a <laughs> statement that, quote, the search for potentially habitable or life-bearing worlds in the solar systems depends in part on being able to determine if rocky, Earth-like exoplanets actually have magnetic, magnetic fields. This re research shows not only that this particular rocky exoplanet likely has magnetic field, but provides a promising method to find more. 
I mean, we got to determine if these guys even have the fucking fields. <laughs> Joe Pesci just yelling, yelling at you about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm packing my bags tomorrow. Things aren't looking looking up around here. <laughs> my magnetic fields are signaling here. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary and check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash scary. You can call us and leave a message at our Google Voice number, 203-666-5529. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also now on Spotify. We'll be forever grateful. We certainly will. And special thanks to those of you already joining us over there on Patreon. Our top-tier patrons are Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, Christy Atchison, Kate Pope, Haley, Aussie Sean Downs, <laughs> Ryan, and our newest top-tier patron, Enrique. Welcome to the Scary Squad, Enrique. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe, music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. Ain't It Scary has been brought to you by Killer Podcasts and is a production of Longboy Media. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.